Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, host of Dynasty Game Night. My co-host John Bosch and I created this podcast for one reason, to focus on fun. After all, fun is the reason we all started playing fantasy football in the first place. I love games of all sorts, card games, board games, video games, really any kind of game you can think of. So one day, John and I decided it was time for a podcast where we just play games. You might learn something along the way, but you won't find much hard-hitting analysis here. Check out all the other incredible podcasts DLF has to offer for that sort of thing. On Dynasty Game Night, our primary focus is to entertain. So if you like playing games or watching game shows, this might just be the podcast for you. We'd love for you to give it a listen and play along with the contestants and maybe even win a chance to be on the show. Listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off season. Welcome to another episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan. That's Matt. Over there is Ryan. Uh, last week, fellas, we talked about free agency. We really talked about that legal tampering period. Nothing really changed since then. All the all the I's were dotted and the T's were crossed and everybody signed where we expected, but there's been a little bit of movement since then. So we thought we'd touch on some of that, some more free agency talk. Then we'll dabble in some rookie talk and, and probably finish with a mock. So before we get to any of that, we should bring in Ryan and Matt talk to me a little bit. First of all, Matt, how you doing? And then secondly, tell us, tell our listeners once again, how to get in our DLF listener league. Yeah, doing all right. The zoo's still open uh, to employees. We're on a skeleton crew, but, you know, animals got to eat. So we have to go in and, 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 and feed them and clean up and still do training and healthcare and all that stuff. So uh, otherwise, I'm staying at home like everybody else should be doing. You know, uh, it's a it's a tough time, but we're, but we're seeing all these fun videos come out too. I don't know if you guys have noticed, like people doing like Disney at home videos of people like doing Soren on their in front of their computer monitor. So we're it's kind of an interesting time because we're seeing all this like internet creativity come out, as people try to figure out ways to uh, entertain themselves and others. And for me, I'm kind of a homebody anyway. So so I, I so in terms of my normal routine, like nothing has really changed that much. So uh, things are doing all right as as well as they can be. Dan, thanks for asking. Uh, and then uh, for our listener league, you guys, just as always, if you are picking up an orphan this season, you might as well do it at safeleaguesfantasy.com slash orphans, where our buddy Scott Fish is the commissioner. Uh, you know, we're all looking for things to do right now, so you might as well start a new rebuild uh, at safeleaguesfantasy.com slash orphans. Use that code DYNASTY and uh, pick yourself up a team. I know there was a sale the last couple of days on them as they try to filter out the rest of these uh, orphan teams. Uh, I'm not sure if that's still running. But with our code, I think you get an extra 10% off using that code DYNASTY. So safeleaguesfantasy.com slash orphans, code DYNASTY, and you'll also get entered in a chance to win a spot in the Listener League to play against myself and Dan and Ryan. And we have a whole bunch of entries in that already. We're going to draw three names out at some point, but make sure to grab one of those orphans so you can get on that list as well. Ryan, you've been uh, secluded as well, working on all this Dynasty content and keeping an eye on everything happening on DLF. Also coming up with some new ideas that we're going to be breaking out here shortly. How's the, uh, how's, how's the seclusion been for you? You sick of, sick of looking at that computer monitor just yet? 
Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Uh, I would say content creators have have no excuse at this point. So I like to sometimes say that you know you don't you've got a great idea for an article or for something, but you just don't have time for it. That's not the case any longer. So maybe that means more great content for uh, our listeners and our readers and and fantasy football players out there. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully we can give our listeners some great content. We wanted to talk, dabble in this free agency that we that we last week we, we recorded, and there's been a few signings since then. Um, so we went position by position a week ago. We'd like to do the same again this week. And and last week we started at quarterback, kind of looking forward to seeing what happens with Cam Newton, and looking forward to what see to seeing what happens with Jameis Winston. Well. Nothing really happened. We're still waiting, Ryan. You, you got a feeling on these guys? Are, are these guys going to just hang out there until draft time, till these teams know if they got one of these high-profile rookie quarterbacks? Yeah, I don't have a good feeling. Uh, I mean, at this point, we obviously Jameis Winston is very available as a free agent. Uh, we also know that Cam Newton, as you mentioned, and, and Andy Dalton as well are, are – both guys who are available, we're used to seeing those players as uh, as starters around the league, and and in some cases being fantasy starters as well. the The reality is kind of setting in that that might not be the case. We talked uh, just last week about Winston as as a player to buy almost no matter what, and the lack of interest in him around the league is is pretty disappointing for fantasy players because he's been. He's basically been locked in as a a starter in our lineups, uh, even with that, uh, even with all those turnovers. So, you look at at the moves that have been made so far. You know Cincinnati is taking Joe Burrow with that top pick. Uh, the Chargers have kind of made it clear they're going with Tyrod Taylor and a rookie, and that it really just leaves uh, New England as the only landing spot. So, I would love it if. Cam Newton or Jameis Winston landed there. I think that would be great to see how that would work out post Tom Brady. But one of those guys, or two of those guys, when you factor in Brady, are going to be settling for backup jobs. Yeah, backup job is not what especially Superflex and two quarterback owners are thinking about coming into this offseason with with a guy like Jameis Winston, who is a you know top time top five finisher at the position Matt your thoughts on these quarterbacks you got an ideal landing spot for one of these guys or or both or all three really with Dalton yeah it seems more and more that Dalton's going to be the odd man out unless a team just decides they want the cheaper option I assume he would be much cheaper than Winston or or Cam Newton at this point like Ryan said I think you know, New England is the ideal spot for these. Although, you know, we're we're kind of making that assumption based on the coach and the scheme, not necessarily the weapons that are in place there. So uh, maybe it's not as ideal as we think. Chicago seems nice if they're ready to move on from Trubisky. You know, uh, so I, I don't know. It, 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 like you guys said, two of the two of these three guys are probably going to be backups. If I had to take a guess, it would be probably Winston and Dalton, and Cam might get a, a spot if he can get out of that Carolina team, which I don't really know what they're doing holding on to him. I know they said he can uh, you know, request a trade. It seems like it's almost like a, a grudge match at this point. Uh, I know that Chicago signed Foles, but, you know, whatever. Foles is not the long-term answer, right? I think I think either of the either Winston or the uh, 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 Cam Newton are probably better options than Foles at this point, but maybe they've already spent too much money there. 
That was an odd move, the Foles trade and, and or tr- Foles landing in Chicago. It seemed like they could have been, if they were really looking to replace Trubisky, they could have made a bigger splash with either Winston or Cam. Even Dalton seemed like it made a little bit more sense, but we'll see how that shakes out. Seems like it's probably a competition right now, and we're most likely going to see both Foles and Trubisky under center at some point in 2020 for the Bears. There were a couple of more high-profile moves at the running back position since we last talked, guys. Melvin Gordon lands in Denver. That's an interesting landing spot. Two years, $16 million. Todd Gurley gets his release and lands in Atlanta. Goes back home just one year and only $6 million on that deal. So interesting, especially when you consider the numbers. Gurley only 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 getting $6 million. Seems like most still expected him, especially if he's going to take the one-year deal, to, to make a little more than that. Gordon gets $8 million a year in Denver, but there's already a couple backs already in place there, Ryan. So as a whole, these two moves, two guys that Dynasty owners have really depended on, two guys that if you had over the last three years, they were going to score a lot of points, get you into the playoffs, maybe make a run at titles, especially with Gurley. These guys are moving down draft boards, startup draft boards, and and definitely moving down depth charts for dynasty owners everywhere. Well, they've been moving down the past year. Uh, We know that already. They've they've both been losing value. Uh, if If you look at dynasty ADP, if you look at rankings, if you just judge by the trade value in your own personal leagues, we know that those two players have been uh, just, just bleeding value. I think both of these landing spots help them a little bit. I, I I don't think we're not going to see either of these guys bounce back to RB1 status uh, in, in ADP or in rankings uh, by any means, but I think they both are in spots now that they can produce. We had, uh, we knew Atlanta was, was a prime landing spot for one of these running backs, whether it's a free agent or a rookie uh, and, and Gurley claims that spot. I think they still, They'll still invest in uh, in in a rookie running back as well, maybe just a little bit later than we had expected or we had hoped. Uh, and, and there had been rumors too from the uh, from the Denver media and from people that follow the Broncos closely that they were looking to add a running back. Again, the assumption was that that might be through the draft. Uh, I I was surprised. And you talk about the numbers. I was surprised how much Gordon got. Um, not not how little Gurley got, but how much Gordon got. Hmm, that's interesting. I I thought one uh, one thing that shot out to me of what you were talking about there, Ryan, was you, you mentioned that these guys aren't going to get back up to that running back one status in Dynasty ADP or or in anybody's rankings. I wonder if they're they're both guys still that we we wouldn't be surprised if we saw running back one, maybe low running back one type of production, though, with these landing spots. Well, we shouldn't be surprised. I mean, Todd Gurley was almost a running back one this past year, even with limited touches. We know that was mostly boosted uh, or or propped up by uh, his touchdown production. Uh, But you could argue he's in a... (laughs) He's in a better offense potentially now, and maybe maybe it's close, Rams and Falcons, but we, we've always seen the Falcons produce uh, big-time fantasy scores uh, at all positions. So I don't think we should be surprised if either of these guys end the season as top 12 fantasy scorers, that it, 
it really just comes down to health for both of them. How about you, Matt? What are you thinking about when you when you think about Gurley and Gordon? These guys aren't that old as far as NFL football players go, especially star players. But at the running back position, we're not talking about 30-year-olds anymore. When you get to 26, 27 years old, you're starting to get over the hill. And, and these are, like I said earlier, guys that we've depended on in the past. But now, if we have them, they feel like a hold because we're just going to have to slide them into that RB2 spot. Are you buying? Are you selling? Are you holding these two guys? If if people are thinking these are bad landing spots, I don't mind buying. This this one-year prove-it deal for Gurley, which is what it feels like, he certainly could prove it, I think. I think you can argue that he's going to have a better offensive line in, in Atlanta than he did in uh, in L.A. last year. You know, they, they kind of lost the that continuity that they have for the Rams last season when several people departed. The, the Falcons invested two first-round picks in offensive linemen last year, and they had some injury issues, but if they can stay healthy, then this feels like it could be a better spot for Gurley. There's not really any competition there I don't think we're worried about Brian Hill I don't think we're worried about Ito Smith I don't think we're worried about Quadri Olison you know like Ryan said they could invest in the position to get a little bit younger there just to make sure they have a stable for the future but I think Gurley could definitely uh, be at the point where he kind of his value rebounds a little bit after this season you know the age is is certainly uh, going to be a concern like you mentioned he's he's not old but he's we're, we're starting to re- to lower that that bar for the running back age so that could be a concern in terms of his dynasty value but I don't think it really is in terms of his production and then Gordon uh, I think the interesting thing for him will be to see if they utilize his passing game skills because we all know Philip Lindsay is a good receiver but for whatever reason they didn't really use him as uh, a receiver as often as they probably should have so if Gordon is utilized in, in pretty much the same way then you know I think that does reduce his, his production a little bit uh, like you said though I think they both uh, could easily enter that that back end running back one uh, I think the guy in Denver that is basically dead if he wasn't already dead is Royce Freeman. So you can go probably go ahead and almost drop Royce Freeman at this point or, or hold on to him in case that those top two guys get hurt, something like that. But uh, he's the he's the sad story, I think, in, in Denver right now. Yeah, sad story indeed. Maybe maybe he finds his way to another place where he can work his way up a depth chart somewhere else. It doesn't appear that there's going to be a lot of touches for him with the Broncos. I really like, I'm going to echo what you guys had to say there. Gurley and Gordon, both pretty good landing spots. And if I'm a contender and I need that running back too, especially that guy to slide in there, I think the the price tag, it's not going to be as high on Gordon and Gurley, both guys that I, I wouldn't mind having. <laughs> Excuse me. One under the radar move that I wanted to talk about, guys, and I'm not going to send it to Ryan because he saw my agenda and mentioned. And when I mentioned JD McKissick as the under the radar move from the week, he rolled his eyes and shrugged his shoulders and said, "Really? Are we going to talk about JD McKissick, Matt? Washington, two years, three point two five million. He's that that free guy, the the guy that maybe you want as the last guy on your roster." pick up off of waivers if you're running waivers this this offseason a guy that could wiggle his way into a role that could be useful in PPR leagues yeah this seems like a direct replacement for Chris Thompson and Chris Thompson hasn't really been healthy or a factor for for several seasons now but it's kind of a role in that offense that we've seen that they like to you and use and McKissick has kind of proven that uh, the last couple of seasons in Detroit last year he had a few good uh, nice PPR games for us and in Seattle before that this kind of the same thing so it is a bit of a 
the log jam there at running back in, in Washington, but with the dearth of talent at the receiver position, which again, I'm sure it probably gets corrected in this draft class. But right now you can see him, you know, somebody that splits out and, and catches three, three to five balls a game pretty easily. Adrian Peterson's not going to do that. Darius Geis is an okay receiver, but is he going to be healthy? And then Bryce Love, as much as I like him, he really wasn't that much of a receiving threat in college either. So it seems clear that he is the best uh, receiving back option there in Washington right now. So could be interesting as a end of the bench guy, you know, your last round in a startup draft, something like that. Um, so I'm, 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 I'm optimistic that he could have some kind of value for us. Yeah, I'm optimistic as well. Again, really only interested if he's free, if you're not paying anything for him. He's a guy that I think even Ryan would agree, <laughs> not the worst guy to have on your roster. Uh, somebody that you really want on your roster this offseason, flipping over to the wide receiver position, and probably the most interesting move that happened over the last week in the NFL, both from a pure football standpoint and as a dynasty owner as well, Emmanuel Sanders landing in New Orleans with Drew Brees and the rest of those weapons, two years, $16 million, Ryan. I think if we were to try to create a an, another weapon for Drew Brees to use, a guy that could really carve out a role opposite Michael Thomas and, and along with the Jared Cook and, and Elvin Kamara and the rest of that running game, it's a guy like Emmanuel Sanders. He can play all over the field. He likes to go over the middle. A guy that can be a weapon uh, really inside and out for Brees and the Saints. I really like Sanders landing in, in New Orleans and – You know, really, depending on the price, he's a guy that you feel really, really good about sliding into that wide receiver three or flex spot going into 2020. Yeah, I I totally agree. It's uh, you you guys should both be a little bit sad about this move, because after after Sanders signed, it was reported that he had his choice between Green Bay and New Orleans. And there was one other uh, maybe the Eagles, I think, was maybe the other team. uh, and, And he went with New Orleans. So. Yeah, it's it's an ideal landing spot. You they they've been the Saints have been searching for that wide receiver too. Uh, it feels like since Drew Brees got there, um, it, not quite that bad. But they've they've always had that top guy. Um, they've always had the pass catching running back, and and now they've got a solid uh, second option from the wide receiver position. Sanders is going to be tough in a, in a dynasty. Uh, format because we know we know the age we know it's it's kind of a Larry Fitzgerald deal year to year we're not going to suddenly see his value shoot up to uh, you know shoot up to an early second rounder or something like that but if you already have them have him then you're also not just going to give him away even if you're not contending so I, I don't think we'll see a ton of movement in dynasty leagues on Sanders he's just going to be a weird one to place a value on but it certainly uh, certainly helps his production moving forward. Yeah, he's kind of the epitome of a hold right now. I don't think if you are not competing, you're going to be able to get the price that you want. And if you are buying him, you're probably not going to want to spend that early second round pick. I think I might spend a late round pick depending on how this draft shakes out uh, and in the state of my team. But yeah, like Ryan said, probably not a lot of movement here, but the ideal ideal player for the Saints. And you're right, the Packers, I was following that and I was – sad when he choose shows the saints for the Packers, but, uh, e- equally good, good spots. I think, uh, a, a player that can get open just by his route running ability, obviously not an athletic 
really a talent right now at his advanced age, but someone who's going to be a very useful target for Drew Brees in this offense. He's just being an ability to move the chain when Thomas is triple covered and you know uh, uh, Kamara is is getting stuffed in the backfield. He, he's going to be the open guy there. So he's gonna he's gonna be over the over the middle a lot, and uh, Drew Brees is going to love having him, just like I think Aaron Rodgers would have loved having him. Yeah, he's a great fit. He's a guy, dynasty owners. Like I said before, if you can slide him into the back end of your roster starting lineup, he's he's a guy that you can count on for, for multiple catches and, and a few touchdowns in 2020. Man, it, it seemed like the ideal fit. Ryan, you mentioned that maybe Packers fans are disappointed. It's hard to be too disappointed when I look at my dynasty rosters and see Sanders and, and – <laughs> And that that production that's going to be there in 2020. So this Packers fan doesn't necessarily mind that one. Hopefully the Packers get it right at the position in the draft. Couple others that we should talk about. Nelson Aguilar landing with the Raiders. He wasn't all that exciting in Philadelphia. I don't know if he's going to do much in Las Vegas either. And then there was a little bit of Twitter buzz about Demir Bird signing in New England. Any comments on either one of these guys? It feels like a good landing spot for Aguilar just because of the the need the Raiders have for uh, for wide receivers, for pass catchers in general. So from that standpoint, it, it, it seems like kind of a best-case scenario. But he also had all of that opportunity with the Eagles last year in a better offense, um, ideally a better offense, I guess, and he he didn't get it done. So... Maybe this keeps him uh, keeps him alive as an end of bench guy in in dynasty leagues. I don't think there's a ton to see there though, and I thought we agreed not to talk about Demir Bird. Well, I mean, you know, the, there was a few people on Twitter that were excited because he he always he came out with all that speed and he's he's kind of a blazer. He ran a four three one or whatever it was at the combine, and Philip Dorsett seems to be moving on from New England. I know they don't have a quarterback, but since it was mentioned on Twitter, I thought I'd ask you about it. No comment. (laughs) (laughs) There's a couple other wide receivers still to sign that dynasty owners are interested in. Matt, Robbie Anderson, another, another fast guy that can get downfield. Brashad Perriman fits that bill as well. You're a Packer fan. Are you interested in either of these guys landing in green Bay? Would that do anything for their dynasty values? Yeah, I mean, it would be nice to get some speed on on the outside there. You know, Devontae Adams is fantastic, but and, and he can certainly play downfield. But that's the speed is not really the the biggest part of his game. So Robbie Anderson would be a nice fit there. But the market has just seemed like they don't really care about him, and it, it seems weird. There must be some underlying reason why. Maybe he's asking for too much money. Maybe there's some more off the field stuff that we don't know about. I'm not sure, but I wouldn't mind the buying Anderson landing there. Perriman, he can he can stay on on Tampa Bay or somebody else though. Yeah, you know, mentioning Robbie Anderson, what's keeping him down in in the market? You should probably be able to run more than one route to be a wide receiver <laughs> in the NFL. He can run that deep deep go. Uh, tight end. There was one interesting move, one one that dynasty owners were monitoring. That was Eric Ebron. A little bit head-scratching. Really? Pittsburgh? That didn't seem like an ideal landing spot to me, Ryan. Two years, $12 million. Vance McDonald already in tow there with the Steelers. Ebron seems like he should be the guy there. Are you excited about this landing spot? I'm I'm not sure if we should ever be excited about Eric Ebron, but um, I I agree. This was kind of a surprise. I mean, the Steelers didn't have a ton of cap space. They, They weren't super active in the free agent market in general. 
while early on it looked like they could maybe just cut Vance McDonald and save some money there, they ended up redoing his contract. And I, I thought that was going to be the extent of their moves at the at that position, uh, other than maybe bringing in uh, a young guy, a rookie potentially. So signing Ebron is is a little bit of a surprise. I would I would definitely slot him in ahead of McDonald at this point, uh, but I I don't think we see much value change in dynasty leagues for Eric Ebron. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it to me either. I guess if you have Ebron as your tight end two in 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 a league somewhere and he lands in Pittsburgh, maybe you say, well, I feel a little better. At least he's got a quarterback. At least that's an offense. Matt, you've 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 seen Eric Ebron at his best when he had Andrew Luck throwing him throwing him balls in the end zone and and then we've all seen him at at his worst. Is this a good landing spot? <laughs> Do you guys making fun of this landing spot but i feel like I, maybe i'm wrong but I, I feel like i talked about this on a last show or two that this was a was, was a landing spot that i liked i'm i'm okay with it i'm not i've never been the ebron fan but vance mcdonald has not been able to stay healthy and even if he does stay healthy we've already seen ebron be effective in a in a two tight end offense so uh i'm 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 kind of excited about this one i'm not sure if i'm willing to say he'll be like a you know a top six tight end and really any tight end that catches a touchdown each week can be a back end tight end one so i'm I'm, i think he's there if you can get him for like a you know a late second in a in a regular tight end maybe a maybe a mid second in a tight end premium i think it's a worthy investment uh to, to make at this point we've seen his touch ability he's still young only 26 years old somehow uh, and we've also seen ben, ben roethlisberger in the past really heavily target the tight end position so i know they've got those three receivers there but uh none of them are really you know outside of side of side of juju when we get down close to the end zone are really threats to have a a, a big re- receiving touchdown share so ebron i think has, has shown that he can have that big t- touchdown receiving share and this is a team that is going to need that big end zone weapon so I, i'm kind of excited about this one certainly more than you guys it seems like well excited is a stretch for <laughs> this, Eric I'll, I'll say this this is the first time i've ever been excited about eric ebron even when he was drafted by detroit okay all right well that's fair enough i guess there are a few other tight ends still to sign maybe delaney walker plays for another year tyler eifert is jordan reed still a thing who knows not a lot of not a lot to be excited about if if your team is looking for a tight end or if you have one of these guys on a dynasty roster. It looks like you're going to be drafting uh, your tight end to in rookie drafts next season. Before we move on to our rookie mock draft, and we're going to do that based on a seven round mock that we found over at Pro Football Network. We should talk about our friends over at DynastyOwner.com. Do you think you're smarter than an NFL GM? Do you think you're the best at fantasy football? Well, here's your chance to prove it. Dynasty Owner is the only patented fantasy sports game using actual NFL salaries and contracts. You manage your team from all levels, owners to general manager to coach. Dynasty Owner is for the smart, elite fantasy football player. There is no offseason in Dynasty Owner. The rookie draft matters, free agency matters, every contract matters. Come do a startup draft in 2020 using actual NFL player salaries and contracts, then improve your team each year with a three-round rookie draft and by trading players and draft picks. Win weekly prizes, seasonal prizes, and compete in the chase for the ring. The mobile app is in development and will be ready to download on iOS and Android in time for rookie drafts this May. 
Mock drafts are open now on desktop and mobile browsers. To learn more and mock draft for free while you have all this time at home, go to www.dynastyowner.com. Let's do a little Superflex mock. We decided kind of on the fly that we'd make it Superflex. I know the three of us enjoy Superflex more than the more than just the standard setup. So we found this, or I shouldn't say we, Ryan found the seven-round mock from Pro Football Network. And before we get into our mock, our order will be Matt, Dan, Ryan, Matt, Dad, Dan, Ryan, and so on and so forth. Let's talk a little bit about some of these landing spots. You know, a lot of us as dynasty owners are watching all these mocks and, and can't wait to see where C.D. Lamb or Jonathan Taylor or J.K. Dobbins or DeAndre Swift, all these guys, where they land. Some of these landing spots may be, maybe a little bit head-scratching. Some of them may be, may be really exciting for dynasty owners as we go along. We're going to comment, guys, on where this mock specifically had the player landing. That'll give us an opportunity to maybe think about potential landing spots for these rookies. Um, but we're going to do the, do, the, do the mock based off of a mix of our rankings and these landing spots. So with that, Matt, you earned the number one pick. <laughs> By with your great take on Eric Ebron. Let's see where you're going to go at the 101 in this super flex rookie mock based on the seven-round NFL draft mock from Pro Football Network. Yeah, I'm going to – I'm not going to take Joe Burrow. I'm going to take Tua Tagovailoa. I think I said that right for the first time ever. <laughs> um, I, with Miami, I just – there's there's something to be said for me about – quarterbacks that have one year of production in college and I know his story is different than Mitchell Trubisky but we've seen this time and time again with these quarterbacks that kind of take over in their final year and and have a big year and then kind of tank a little bit in in the pros and I'm not sure I'm not saying Burrow is going to do that he's going to a team that has uh, you know a lot of nice weapons there versus Tua but from what I've seen on on film from watching these guys over the last couple of seasons Tua is still the 101 for me in super flex leagues it's very close but uh just that one year of production scares me a little bit with Burrow. So I'll take two here at 101. Ryan, I'd love your thoughts on this. You're tuned in to, to dynasty values and these rookie, lots of rookie mocks that happen all over the place. Tua going 101 in a, in a dynasty rookie draft, super flex settings, surprising to you? Um, a, a little bit. We, we have run some, uh, some super flex rookie mocks at DLF to, to gather ADP and it's almost consensus that Joe Burrow is, is the pick. That being said, I don't, I don't think it's out of line at all. Uh, all the health stuff and, and the medical checks for Tua have been positive. It looks like he is going to be um, a, a top five pick, uh, maybe, maybe even a top two or three pick, depending on how trades and, and things like that work out. Uh, he's a he's a top five pick in this mock that we're using today, so um, I, I don't think that's a bad pick at all. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad pick at all either. Just because the landing spot seems a little bit better to me, you know, Cincinnati has that history of of just burying high end prospects and and not putting the tools around these guys that are necessary. So Tua landing in Miami in this mock from pro football network that seems like a relatively nice fit if if 
if you're considering these two rosters, it seems like Miami is a little bit, a bit ahead of Cincinnati. They have a few of the pieces in place and a lot of draft picks to potentially add more weapons for Tua. So we'll get to some of those other prospects that land, according to this mock, in Miami. But if that all comes true, if that all comes to fruition and, and Tua has all these tools in place, it might not be the worst pick to go with Tua at 101. That puts me on the clock at 102 and makes the pick really easy. Uh, I would have taken Tua had Joe Burrow going, gone number one. I'll just take Joe Burrow here. There are the, the red flags that I just talked about, guys, but Burrow being the number one overall pick in the NFL draft, all the production in that one season as a starter at LSU, it really feels like like Burrow is going to be a top pick, if not the 101 in rookie mocks or in, in dynasty rookie drafts. He'll go 102, maybe fall to 103 if somebody's really craving a running back and somebody ends up in the right spot. What do you think of Joe Burrow landing at 102 in this mock? Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. We're going to see, we should see, um, we should see those two quarterbacks go top two or top three in the majority of Superflex rookie drafts. So I, I think that uh, that's pretty fitting. You talked about the landing spots earlier that um, that we're using in this mock draft. And for the running back position, that's where it's really impacted. And, of course, that goes back to free agency. We talked about Gurley uh, signing with Atlanta. There's a few other uh, a few other teams who added free agent running backs that we were maybe – penciling in as as nice landing spots for these rookies Houston being one of them and there's a couple that are still open as well so uh, this this is going to be the reality we talk about the the big five running backs rookie running backs they're not all going to land starting jobs Uh, in fact there's not at this point there's probably not five starting jobs left uh, across the league some of these rookies especially at the running back position are going to lose value once we know their actual uh, teams and their draft capital. Uh, I, th- I think that's what's happened a little bit with the player I'm going to take, but I still believe in the talent. I'm not scared by the veteran there. So at 1.03, I will take Jonathan Taylor. In this draft, he's a second rounder, middle of the second round, to Atlanta. And of course, they just signed Todd Gurley. It is a one-year deal. I'm not sold on Gurley's health. We saw even last year with the Rams that they tried to scale back his usage a little bit. So even if he's uh, used as a backup this year and then claims that job in 2021, I feel like Jonathan Taylor is worthy of a top three pick still. Yeah, I think he's worthy as well, even with that landing spot. The one thing that that could, if this draft were to happen in real life, you could see Taylor falling down a draft, especially a super flex mock, right, Ryan? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, we'll, we'll get to some of the other players, uh, the running backs especially. Like I said, I think I, I don't think the landing spot was kind to most of them. So we would certainly see a, a shuffling of the order. Matt, that puts you back on the clock at 104. Yeah, to here? me, with the landing spots that we're seeing in this mock draft, it, it seems pretty easy for me in a super flex to say the three quarterbacks go one, two, three. So I'm happy to get uh, uh, I'm happy to get Justin Herbert here for the Chargers. Uh, it would be nice if he could sit for a year behind Tyrod Taylor. I do think Taylor is going to be fine running that offense at least for a year or two. Um, but the Chargers get. Uh, you know, their quarterback of the future here after, just after releasing Phillip Rivers. So they're kind of in a nice spot where they've gone from one really nice quarterback to another one here. Herbert, I uh, had a, an amazing offseason, obviously, both of the combine and as the MVP at the Senior Bowl. 
So, uh, you know, we were, we were hoping he'd come out last year, uh, but he's coming out this year, and I'm pretty excited about him, especially at the Chargers. Yeah, and in this mock, he has the he has the draft capital. He's going in the top six, landing in a spot that has a big need at quarterback and, and may have an, a need for him in year one. Could Could see him on the field, depending on how things work out with Taylor. So Herbert landing in the top four isn't that big of a surprise, especially when you consider some of these other landing spots. I think a lot of our listeners are probably thinking, okay, I'm not looking at the draft. I didn't hit pause and, and go find this mock from fo- Pro Football Network. Uh, where where are these wide receivers, these guys that so many DLF writers and, and us on this podcast have talked so much about? I'm going to dip into that pool right here. I'm going to take the, the top guy on my board, the most most talented wide receiver in the draft, and that's C.D. Lamb. And, and in this mock, guys, he – he landed in a relatively good landing spot. He he landed somewhere that has a need at wide receiver two. Cortland Sutton already in place in Denver. Of course, they have Noah Fant at tight end as well. But Lamb seems like a nice fit, except that quarterback position. If we could just figure that out, um, it, it doesn't really hurt my feelings all that bad. He goes in the first round. He's the second wide receiver taken in this mock draft. So CD lamb landing in Denver, he lands at the one Oh five to me. Uh, I like CD lamb. I, I don't hate the landing spot. He's my number one wide receiver and to get him at five doesn't feel. Yeah. Too this bad is yet. a, is a great landing spot. I think, you know, like you said, outside of the quarterback position, none of us are really that big fans of lock, but lamb has shown that he can produce with other big time targets on the field. You know, he did it with Marquise Brown last year uh, or, or two seasons ago, and he did it with Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews uh, three seasons ago, I believe. So he's shown that even with that big target and uh, Cortland Sutton, that uh, he'll be able to produce for us. So I, I like this one quite a bit. So far we've gone Tua, Joe Burrow, Jonathan Taylor, Justin Herbert and CeeDee Lamb, one through five. That puts Ryan back on the clock at 106. Who do you have here, Ryan? It really does get interesting here. I, I love the Lamb pick. That's definitely who I would have taken at this spot if he had fallen one more pick. Uh, he is uh, in, in a close call. He's my wide receiver one in this class at this point. Uh, it, it's it's weird to be at the sixth pick and see two of these Big three running backs still available. I'm going to take the one who uh, who I think landed in the best spot that we could see him be an immediate starter. That's J.K. Dobbins. In this mock draft from Pro Football Network, he's a second rounder to Miami, an early second rounder. Uh, and the Dolphins are one of those teams that have not filled that need yet. They did, uh, they did sign Jordan Howard, but... Um, that I don't think that should scare anybody off, especially if it's one of these top three or top five running backs that they ultimately draft. So uh, Dobbins at 1.06 with the Dolphins. I like that pick. I had Dobbins relatively high, uh, probably would have taken him out of one of the next two spots for sure. What you said there, he's an early second round pick, the second running back off the board. Uh, so, so a nice selection there at six, Matt, you're back up at seven. Yeah. It feels weird to be taking these wide receivers ahead of some of these running backs based on where we've 
you know, been analyzing and, and, and projecting them to go and, and the, where they have gone in mock drafts uh, thus far. But it, it really feels like the wide receivers are in better spot right now. So I'm going to go ahead and take Jerry Judy. Lands with the Raiders, an obvious need for a wide receiver one. Uh, you know, very like basically neck and neck for me with CD Lamb. Uh, and this landing spot, you know, depending on whether you think Judy can be that true wide receiver one or not, maybe even a better bet landing spot than in Denver. So I like this uh, pick here, Judy at 107. Yeah, that's a good one for sure. Uh, nice landing spot and and closely ranked with with Lamb for a lot a lot of dynasty rankers. Um, seemed like one of the next couple of picks that puts me back on the clock at 108 and I'm going to dip into that running back market as well I really feel like the best landing spot for me could be DeAndre Swift he was the first running back taken according to this mock uh, done by Pro Football Network he lands in the early second round once again he goes to Detroit with the third pick in the second round uh, a lot of you probably scratching your head and thinking to yourself, well, wait a second, Carryon Johnson is the, there. How's that the, the best landing spot potentially? Well, I'm, I'm not the biggest Carryon Johnson fan. I told Matt as we were leading up to the program, he, he reminds me of the path that Jordan Howard is on or has been on just a couple years behind. And, and then Matt reminded me, well, well, he can catch the ball and Howard really can't. And while that's true, I feel like there's a lot of touches to be had in Detroit. DeAndre Swift, if he lands there, could be could be a big playmaker for them. So I like him right here at the 108. Ryan, you're up. Ooh, uh, <laughs> I think it I think it got tough. There's a couple other running backs that are typically being drafted in this range. Uh, I won't spoil too much, but they each fall maybe a little further than. Uh, we are currently expecting them to. I am going to have to go with a wide receiver here, and I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Justin Jefferson. In this mock draft, he is the fourth wide receiver taken. Lands with the Eagles with the 21st pick overall in the first round. Uh, a guy that I think is still being a little undervalued. There's names that we've known for years, Lamb and Judy and, uh, and, and a couple of a couple of others. And Jefferson is a guy who's, uh, really more come on just the past season, but, uh, a huge weapon killed the combine could easily be the top target, uh, with the Eagles if he were to land there. And, and that's been a popular, uh, a popular destination for him across, uh, a lot of the mock drafts I've looked at. Matt, that puts you on the clock at 110. Who you got to follow up Justin Jefferson going 109 to Ryan? Yeah, I'm going to go back to receiver as well. And I don't know, maybe tell me tell me if this is a bit of a homer pick, you guys. But I'm going to take Denzel Mims, lands with the Packers in the first round at the 30th pick. Uh, you know, he has the size, 6'3", 207, and he showed off his speed at the combine. I don't necessarily see that 4'3", speed on, on film. Maybe he's just more of that glider type that, that – uh, you know, doesn't is moving really fast, but doesn't really look like he's moving fast. So to be able to get that kind of speed on the outside and a player with his uh, body control, his ability to catch the ball on the sidelines and, and high point the ball and contort his body to to make those uh, those those catches that may be a little bit off target uh, is really exciting as a Packers fan. So I'm going to take him here at the 110. Yeah, I don't think that's a homer pick. It, it probably looks like it because you're a Packer fan. But this is, like Ryan mentioned, with Jefferson, this is also another popular one. It's it's relatively 
popular to, to see Mims land in Green Bay at the end of the first round. He's moved up draft boards both for the NFL draft and dynasty rankers as well. So it wouldn't be surprising to see him go towards the end of the first round in dynasty rookie drafts. That's where you get him here at the 110. I do think you made a mistake, however. You you, you took the wrong receiver. It was It's Henry Ruggs. I'm going to take him at the 1.11. He lands in San Francisco in this mock draft. I really like that landing spot. I really like Rugs. I I think it's a it's a closer to a three or a four man race for for at the top uh, than it is a one or a two man race at the position of wide receiver. Uh, Rugs lands in San Francisco, and I'm happy to get him at one eleven. I think that leaves me on the clock with the last pick in the first round. Uh, I've got uh, a few pretty good options here. And I think I'm going to end up taking a player I don't don't necessarily really even like at this point. But in the super flex format, I think you have to, of course, focus on the quarterbacks. We've got a first round quarterback, Jordan Love, to the New England Patriots. We've already talked about their questions at the quarterback position, whether it's Andy Dalton, whether it's Jacoby Brissett, uh, who, whoever it might be. It doesn't look like they're going to find their long-term option uh, on the free agent or on the trade market. Uh, So if they're spending a first-round pick on Jordan Love, uh, 23rd pick overall, I would go ahead and pencil him in as their uh, expected long-term starter. And at at the end of the first round in a super flex draft, you you have to go with him. Yeah, that's a good pick. I, I considered it. Uh, 111 I actually considered it at 108 and thought oh Swift's just better and then and then when I came around at 11 well rugs I just like rugs so much more than love I think there's probably a lot of dynasty owners listening right now Ryan that are saying wait a minute Jordan Love landed in New England and he slides all the way to the end of the first round I can see him going very very high in some rookie rookie drafts if these are the indeed the the landing spots that we see in the actual NFL draft but I could see him falling all the way to 12 or maybe even into the second round because it seems like love doesn't get all the love. You know, he, he there's a lot of dynasty owners out there, Ryan, that that love him, that really think he, he could be the next great wide receiver, excuse me, quarterback. There are a lot of us that, that are have, there's just too many red flags and we're just worried. Yeah, for sure. There there are plenty of reasons to doubt. Uh, I think I actually shared some of those on our post combine show. Uh, some some things I heard about him, some concerns uh, just about his uh, football IQ uh, that were being discussed in uh, in my time in Indy. But again, first round, uh, first round pick, quarterback, the Patriots. It all makes sense. It all makes sense indeed. So let's quickly recap that first round. Went two a one overall to Matt. He is he's in Miami according to this Pro Football Network mock draft followed by joe burrow in cincinnati jonathan taylor who is in atlanta justin herbert Chargers starting quarterback or or at least quarterback cd lamb in denver jk dobbins in miami jerry judy with the raiders being his landing spot deandre swift goes eighth he's in detroit that's followed up by justin jefferson from philadelphia denzel mims from green bay henry ruggs in san francisco and then New England's new quarterback, Jordan Love, goes 12th, according to our mock. Let's go on to the second round, guys. Matt, lead us off once again. Yeah, I am I know the landing spot isn't great here, but I'm going to take my favorite running back in this draft class. I kind of feel like right now, before we get separation, 
you know, these five guys are, are kind of just take your, your favorite flavor and, and they're all very talented, but Cam Akers is my guy here. He does land in Denver, which is not a great spot considering they just signed Melvin Gordon, but he's on that two-year deal. They could easily move on from him in 2021 and Akers takes over. I just feel like he has the size and, and most of the speed that Jonathan Taylor does. And then he can also catch the ball a lot better than Jonathan Taylor does. He can pass block. He, obviously, it's, it's kind of cliche at this point to talk about how bad his offensive line was, but he was making making people miss behind that bad offensive line. He still put up 1,100 yards behind behind it um i'm really excited to see what cam makers does in the nfl but based on this landing spot we'll probably have to wait a year but i'm willing to do that here at the 201 yeah and according to this mock he's not a second round pick he's a third round pick which which is the really the factor that i looked at i, I saw those other three running backs go in the second round and, and made me think twice if if indeed acres is passed on twice by every team before denver takes his takes the plunge in the third round, which in the past we've seen plenty of third round running backs make, make a big dent, make, make an impact for dynasty owners for sure. That, that was kind of a tiebreaker for me with, with a couple of the other guys that I was considering there. There's some first round receivers, early second round receivers. Of course, Jordan Love just went as well. Uh, it, it was a factor. Ryan, what are your thoughts on acres going into the second round here? Yeah, he's he's a guy, and there's a couple of others that we'll get to who are currently be being projected as first round dynasty rookie picks, and and we see it every year that whether it's a case of fantasy players overvaluing uh, the the athletes or uh, or maybe just bad landing spots, we see these guys fall every year, and and it could be Cam Akers, it could be. Um, this this other running back that I, I think we'll probably uh, select soon, uh, those those are guys who could end up being late second or or third round picks, and, and it's going to impact their value. We just have we we just know it's coming. Yeah, we know it's coming indeed. That puts me back on the clock at the two o two. Pretty easy selection for me here. I'm going with T Higgins, the wide receiver from Clemson. He lands in this mock according to Pro Football Network, in the second round, early in the second round, to Indianapolis. Nice landing spot. Quarterback is in place. Veteran guy, of course. Uh, a, a guy I'm, I'm not super thrilled about with Phillip Rivers, but T. Higgins, be, having that draft capital, landing in Indianapolis, where although they have Paris Campbell, who I'm high on, there is a need there. there there's a chance for a role, and T. Higgins at 6'4", 216, a guy that fills a role for them, a guy that can get downfield and play underneath. Really a nice landing spot for T. Higgins, fellas. I'll take him at 202. Ryan, that puts you on the clock at 203. Who are you going to follow up T. Higgins with? This is going to be another uh, another player that I, I've got some concerns on, but you cannot doubt the landing spot uh, fairly early in the second round. The Texans, who now basically have no wide receiver uh that, that they can count on take LaVisca Chenault this this is another injury prone guy we we've seen him dealing with injuries right now actually uh, so it, it would be kind of a surprising pick but after the DeAndre Hopkins trade they have to they've got to get some help at that position as much as I love him Randall Cobb is is not the answer there uh, so Chenault in the early second round in this in this ideal landing spot yeah, I like that pick a lot. He was the other one I was considering. And while there are those concerns, especially those injury concerns, I think 
Chenault landing in Houston adds a lot to his value for dynasty owners, so it's not a surprise he goes early in the second round at 203. Matt, you're up again at 204. Yeah, two players left that I really, really like here. I'm going to go back to wide receiver, though, and take Jalen Rager, my wide receiver three before this mock and in, in the pre-draft process before we know landing spot he goes to Miami it really seems like Miami is is, is going to remodel this entire offense they took their quarterback they took their running back and now they take their wide receiver here and Jalen Rager so uh, those three makes this team a lot more exciting that coaching staff uh, that came over from New England last season is really kind of reshaping this team and, and what we think about Miami in general so excited to see him land here in a spot where he should get plenty of opportunity uh, with only Devonte Parker and Preston Williams really ahead of him at this point. I like that pick. That's a that's a solid one for sure. And and what you said about Rager ending up in Miami that goes along with according to this mock J.K. Dobbins and and of course Tua lands there as well. When I mentioned early in this mock, Matt, you taking Tua at number one. It, it was kind of based on the rest of this mock. They put another, a couple more position players, a, a couple uh, really, really weapons for him. Uh, that really helps to his, I guess, draft uh, value and the chances of him going one-on-one in a super flex mock. So a nice pick there. That puts me up at 205. I'm going to take, I'm going to dip back into the running backs. Clyde Edwards Hilaire was, according to this mock, selected by the Arizona Cardinals in the third round. Uh, while there's al- already a running back in place in Arizona, we- we've seen that, that position uh, kind of shift around a little bit, fellas. The, it's, it seems like they're willing to, to whoever the hot hand is, and, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is the kind of guy that could become him fill that role for the Cardinals. Uh, That offense is going to be high flying. A lot of weapons already in place. And if Edwards Hilaire lands in Arizona, he could be part of that part of that crew. So he goes at two Oh five, putting Ryan back on the clock at two Oh six. Of course, I like the Clyde Edwards Hilaire pick. He was the other running back. I was referring to earlier along with Cam Akers, both of those guys being uh, projected and presumed to be first round dynasty rookie picks, even in a super flex league. Uh, but but that that just goes to show you what a perceived bad landing spot or or a crowded landing spot can do. Uh, with this pick, uh, I'm going to I think take a little bit of a chance in the second round. This mock has the Steelers uh, selecting a quarterback, potentially Ben Roethlisberger's replacement in Jalen Hurts. I'll take him here again. That's largely due to the superflex format. Uh, but th- there seems to be a lot of talk about Hertz lately in the in the fantasy community, uh, in the in the draft net community. He's a player that seems to be on the rise for sure. Yeah, you. That's who I wanted this next pick, Ryan. So nice job there. He'll be sit right behind Roethlisberger for a year or two, and using his as athleticism. You know, he's not quite quite the same kind of runner as uh, you know Lamar Jackson. Uh, but I think they'll be able to get him on the field and, and doing some fun things from them, even with Roethlisberger there for the next season or two. So love that pick in a super flex format. I'm back up here at the 207. And honestly, I'm a little bit uh, a little bit flummoxed at where to go now. That was that was really who I wanted there in Jalen Hurts. I'm going to actually crack open the tight end position, I think. And we're going to go to Albert 
I'm not even going to Akway Bunnam. <laughs> that's that's not right. We're going to call him Alberto. He's going to do he's going to New England. Uh, you know, not saying he's going to be the next Rob Gronkowski. Where if he does land here, I'm sure that will be everything you see on Twitter. But uh, tight end is such a hard position to scout. But what we do know is that athleticism generally translates. Uh, and and he ran he ran real fast at the combine uh, compared to his peers. So I'm excited to see what Alberto does here in New England in the middle of the second round. I think that's about right. Maybe Maybe you could wait a little bit longer, the late second to t- or to the later second to take the first tight end in this class, but that feels about right to me. So I'll take Alberto. I'm on the clock at 2:08, and and while you said that things were kind of dwindling down, and I certainly agree with that. There's there's one guy that sticks out to me, and I, I know I'm higher than most on KJ Hamler out of Penn State. He he's the smaller tweener guy, the the guy that you expect to play in the slot. But go, I I urge all you. DLF subscribers to click over to dynastyleaguefootball.com, click on the tools, go to the draft prospect videos and watch those videos of this guy because he he's a, a dynamic playmaker. He was at Penn State. He's going to be in the NFL. In this mock, uh, he goes to Seattle at the end of the second round, um, which isn't the worst landing spot for sure, although there are a couple of guys ahead of him on the depth chart, and, and it's questionable whether – He's he they're going to use three wide receivers. That hasn't been the case in Seattle in the past. No matter the landing spot, though, KJ Hamler and and I think you guys will probably say, well, you probably could have got him later in this draft. Here towards the middle to end of the second round at two oh eight, I like KJ Hamler even in Seattle. Yeah, I like Hamler as well. I, I do think he's uh, maybe lost a, a little bit of value potentially. He, he just. He just came in so small at the, um, I think it was the senior bowl uh, or maybe it was the combine where he just measured so small and and you start seeing some uh, historical comps about players that size who have produced and and the list is not long. So I think that he kind of has that going against him, but you're right, Dan, when you, uh, when you watch him in games, it's, it's very impressive. So that puts you on the clock, Ryan, at 209. Who you got here? Uh, there's there's still a few guys I like here for sure uh, later in the second round. Um, I think I'm going with a Jets pick, which feels a little dirty. But in the middle of the second round, they're taking, uh, again, according to this mock draft, they're taking Brandon Ayuk, uh, speedster from uh, Arizona State. And really, has he, he's another player who's had a good, uh, a good off season, a good pre-draft season. And if they do lose Robbie Anderson, he could slot right in as as that deep guy. I really like that pick, Ryan. I w- I went back and forth between Hamler and Ayuk. Um, maybe I should have taken Ayuk just because he he did he was drafted earlier according to this mock by Pro Football Network. If that plays out there is also a quicker playing time path for Ayuk in New York compared to Hamler in Seattle a good pick if he lands in a better landing spot than the Jets I could see him going higher than the 209 in actual rookie drafts Matt we have three picks left in this two-round mock draft that we're doing who's your last pick that we're yeah this one 
Based on draft capital going in the sixth round here, this might be a little bit of a reach, but I want to get this guy's name out there if he's not already ready. Uh, in this mock, he's going to Kansas City, Antonio Gandy-Golden. He offers something that no other wide receiver on that team offers right now, and they're in that size at 6'4", 223. So uh, having him out there alongside, of course, Tyreek Hill and, and Nicole Hardman, the little guys, the little speed guys, uh, seems to offer a little bit of something different for Patrick Mahomes. So the, with the draft capital – being all the way down the sixth round, you know, that's that's certainly questionable. But I like the talent, I like the size, and I love the fit, obviously. So we'll go with AGG here with, at the two ten, the last pick. Yeah, I, I like the landing spot. I certainly like the player. I was a little surprised. I've, I've I've looked at plenty of these mock drafts, and it seems like he's regularly a fourth, maybe a fifth round guy. So to see him go all the way to the sixth was a little confusing, or at least head scratching. Make make you think twice about what these talent evaluators think of AGG. I really like his talent and that landing spot would be almost ideal. So I don't mind you getting him into this mock. If that was the, if this was actually the landing spot, I'm not sure he's going in the second or or the the draft capital used on Antonio Gandy golden. I'm not sure he goes in a lot of second rounds, but it's certainly worth talking about since he landed in Kansas city. I have one last pick to make. I'm going to dip back into the running back market, and I'll take Zach Moss, who lands in Baltimore in this mock. He goes in the third round to the Ravens, and and a lot of dynasty owners might say, wait a minute, Baltimore using one of their first three picks on a on a running back once again with, with that three-headed monster that they already have in that backfield. Well, if you watch Zach Moss, who comes in at 5'9", 223, he fits in nicely, and, and he could really be the heir apparent to Mark Ingram in that backfield, be the guy that can handle the ball, especially on first and second down, and, uh, and be a really nice asset for dynasty owners. I have a hard time believing he's always going to go late in the second round, certainly in, in non-superflex drafts. He's going to go a little higher, even with a landing spot of Baltimore. Ryan, you're up at 212, our last pick in this mock draft. Well, I can't let a potential future starting quarterback fall to the third round, so I will take Jacob Eason here. In this mock draft, he is a uh, he is a third rounder to the Indianapolis Colts. We know, of course, they just added Philip Rivers, but that's expected to be uh, kind of kind of a year by year deal. I think actually he did sign a one year deal, so certainly not the long term answer there. Obviously, uh, Jacob Eason could be. Kind of like Jordan Love, not not a player that uh, that I expect myself to chase, but in this format, uh, any quarterback who has that path to a starting job uh, in the second round, I think you have to scoop him up. Yeah, that's a nice pick. He was a guy that was on the radar for me as well. Uh, really, all the quarterbacks go in these first two rounds. Most of them, I would say, go where they should. Maybe Love could have gone a little bit higher. Maybe Eason could have gone a couple picks higher as well hurts you could probably say the same but for the most part it really feels to me like the right 24 players went in this mock let's quickly recap the first and then second rounds of our superflex mock based on the seven round nfl rookie mock done by pro football network over the weekend number one matt had the pick tua goes i'm not gonna try his last name i I butchered it too many times so tua goes one he's he's in miami according to the mock i had the second pick i take joe burrow in cincinnati then jonathan taylor goes third out of atlanta justin herbert is fourth chargers quarterback fifth is cd lamb who landed in denver then on with the sixth pick ryan took jk dobbins 
who landed in Miami. Jerry Judy went seventh to the Raiders. Uh, DeAndre Swift was the eighth pick. He's a lion. Justin Jefferson of the Eagles goes ninth. Then Denzel Mim, Mims of Green Bay goes tenth. Henry Ruggs and Jordan Love, Ruggs to San Francisco, Love to New England. They go 11th and 12th in the first round. We did a second round as well, Matt. You took Cam Akers with the top pick. He's a Denver Bronco. Then T. Higgins in Indianapolis. LaVisca Chenault in Houston. Jalen Rager in Miami. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire goes fifth in the second round. He's in Arizona, followed up by Jalen Hurts in Pittsburgh. Albert O. goes seventh to Matt. He's, he's in New England. <laughs> or I took K.J. Hamler eighth in the second round. He's a Seattle Seahawk. Then Brandon Ayuk of the Jets goes ninth. Antonio Gandy-Golden to Kansas City goes 10th, then 11th, Zach Moss of the Baltimore Ravens, and the final pick, 212, Jacob Eason, Indianapolis Colts. A few names slipped through the cracks. Dynasty owners are probably thinking, hey, what about Brian Edwards? What about Michael Pittman and Tyler Johnson and, and a whole bunch of these other guys? They're, 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 maybe their landing spots affected thing, guys. Maybe, maybe it's just the three guys doing this mock weren't, uh, weren't in love with, with the prospect themselves. But 24 players, we got to to at least that many. Uh, over the coming weeks, we're going to do a lot more mocks. We'll, we'll do some based on these seven-round mocks. We'll do some based off our rankings as well. We'll do some super flex, and we'll mix in some standard leagues as well to try to cover all our bases. But we're, we're in prime rookie mock draft season, fellas. So, so we're going to get to quite a few of these over the next couple of months. With that, let's call this the end of the DLF Dynasty podcast. For Matt and Ryan, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you again next week. I'm not even going to say Bunnam. That's not right. We're going to call him Albert O. Albert O. I think it's Albert Okuobunam. I think I was close. I, right I think I was close. I saw a draft <laughs> draft coverage. I, I wish I had the ability to cut that out and play it every single week. Cause I'm sure it, it was Aaron will do that for us. <laughs> Akwe Bunnam. Albert Oku. Oh, I butchered it. Okuabu. That's, sure that's not right. I shouldn't have cocked off earlier.
Okuobunam.